Hi, hello, everyone. We're back with another episode, of course, of none other the fuck you mentality. I don't know what else this would be. <laughs> um, so I have a really special guest on with me today. Um, I found this guest on TikTok, actually. So she actually I'll give you guys a little bit of backstory before I like introduce who she is. I actually found her TikTok. Um, I don't, honestly don't even remember the time frame that I found you, but it was a specific video when she was talking about like how grateful she was for the opportunities that she had been given at that time in her life. And she was, you know, really starting to kind of like progress in her career. And like, she just was kind of like, I can't believe this is fucking happening. And I remember this specific video and I remember just like kind of relating to her. Cause it was almost like imposter syndrome. Like I don't deserve this, but I do. And I kind of got that vibe from her. So I started going through all her pages and like her work's incredible. Like why the fuck else wouldn't she have these opportunities, you know? Um, but just from there, I feel like I've seen her kind of grow into this role. Um, I don't know her from a hole in the wall. I've never met her. We've never even talked before up until kind of like right now. Um, but I remember just just seeing that and being like, wow, like there are other people who are successful who don't, not that they don't think they deserve it, but they're like, I can't believe this is happening. Like I can't even, like I'm just myself and I'm successful. Like this doesn't make any sense to me, you know? So without further ado, I'm not going to introduce her. She's going to introduce herself. So who the hell are you? What, what are we doing? What's your name? What? Who are you? What a nice intro. <laughs> My name is Meg, Meg Gilbert. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Mermeg Hair. I am in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I own a salon called Olive and Ivy, and I specialize in vivids and i love doing transformations with extensions and in vivids that's new in my world and i am also an educator i go into salons and teach anything you think anything you can think of and i'm really excited for this year i got lots of things coming this year for 2023 that see that short and short and simple and to the point um so the first, like one of the first things that I had noticed when I had I had seen this, I think you were, you were using Pulp Riot. And I think like, that's kind of like what kind of got my brain thinking too, because you were an educator for Pulp Riot. Yeah. I started with Pulp Riot in June, 2019. And then I left this past June, 2022. Okay. So maybe it's been since that, since around that time frame Cause I remember, no, it had to be before that. But I, I, I that just, was before TikTok. Before I was on TikTok is when I got on with them. Okay. Fuck, I don't know. I'm like, I, I know, like the video I'm you're thinking of was the beginning of the last year. Like when I had first opened my salon and I started doing Pulp Riot's TikTok. That's I think you're thinking of a video where I was in a hotel bathroom. I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember the video of you being like, I can't believe this is fucking happening. Yeah, yeah. I was actually in LA with Pulp Riot when I made that video. Um, it was my first time at their, my first and only time at their headquarters. And it was like a really surreal experience. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I don't really want to talk about Pulp Riot because that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> that's that, for a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I need to have like the, like the after hours, the fucking mentality, like fucking yes. Aaron shit. sounds like a TikTok live we need to have. <laughs> Facts. Oh, wait, <laughs> so, so you kind of just said that you owned a salon. So you only, you only opened it last year. I opened the salon October, 2019, but it, it was oh. a six chair booth rental salon with, and then I had one suite there as well. And so last November, November, well, I guess that, I'm getting so lost in the sauce of what year it is. So <laughs> 
2022 January, we hired on a bunch of new people, but in November 2021 is when we knocked down the wall and expanded. So there we went into the storefront next to us. So now we have 14 chairs and a suite, whereas we started with six chairs and a suite. Holy shit. Yeah, uh, wild. <laughs> and I never wanted to own a salon. <laughs> how how did you even fall into that? Like how did that even how that whole ordeal happen? Yeah, so I I uh, have a family member that is a businessman. He worked with Uber way back in the day. He was one of the first people in office and he came to um, my suite, me and Brenna Blonding by B. We had a suite together at a salons by JC and he came to get his hair cut while he was in town. And he took me to dinner later and was like, how much you paying for that place? Because as any suite renter knows, like suites can get really expensive. I was spending almost 300 a week. And for Cincinnati, that's that's on the higher end. So he was like, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to build you a salon. And so he helped me through the process of like getting a loan, making a business plan, like doing all the licensing stuff. And so Thank you, Ryan. Shout out to Ryan. <laughs> but I never really wanted one. It just made sense financially. Like I was always scared of confrontation and leadership and responsibility. And I opened the salon when I was only 23. So that was all terrifying. And then we did really well. And I wanted to keep going. And so when the storefront next to us became available, it just felt right to knock the wall down and move into there. <laughs> wow. So it was kind of like a fluke. Like it wasn't even something that you were like, I want to do this. It was kind of like, Hey, I think you should do this. And you're like, fuck it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had a really bad salon experience when I was a commission stylist, my first few years in the industry. And me and Brenna actually were both at that salon together. And so we moved into the suite together, but we missed being with a team. So like we knew at that time in our careers that we wanted to be with a team again, but we just didn't know what that was going to look like for us. So I am a roll with the punches girl. Like me and Brenna just sat down last week. We do not goals. We call them every year where we write down our year's goals, but they're all very flexible because we want to take opportunities as they come to us. Cause you don't know what's going to come to you. So that was one of those. <laughs> um, how just kind of speaking from my personal perspective here, how has it been going from being alone to working and building a team because I they're very 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 different yeah I I would say when we were just booth rental most of that felt pretty easy the hardest thing was trying to get everybody on the same level of wanting to be very clean I am a clean girl with the salon um so it was that's like such a small minute thing in the grand scheme of things so booth rental salon felt pretty smooth and easy it felt relaxed for the most part the hardest thing was just doing extra taxes like versus like previous years being independent, but being a, we are now hybrid. Like we have both commission and booth runners. Uh, that is, it is hard stuff. It is not easy. And I know you owned a salon at one point too. Like this shit is not easy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Lisa's <laughs> yes. giving me some pew pews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You betcha. Yeah. Why, what are, what are some things that you are experiencing that maybe you had no idea would even happen? Um, I 
I'm proud of myself and it's the hardest thing I've done. Um, when somebody doesn't feel like a good fit for the salon, like acting on it is really, really hard, but I am proud of myself for keeping the culture of the salon, what I want it to be as much as I can, but hiring and firing people is really extremely, extremely hard. And I care a lot about what people think about me. So even if I want it to end well, like if that's not the experience that the other person, if that's not their reality, like that really sucks for me. I, that is the hardest part for me. And having the responsibility that my bank account <laughs> um, supports the livelihood of X amount of people <laughs> a lot at a time. That's just, I'm, I, I'm okay financially. It just scares the shit out of me. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. <laughs> You're like responsible for other people, you know, not yeah. even like as like a child standpoint, like, well, I guess it is kind of like having a kid, you know, like oh, we call them our babies. Yeah. Me and Brenna are like, these are the kids, <laughs> the commission stylists are the kids. <laughs> yeah. You guys are responsible for their, yeah. Like you said, like their livelihood. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, um, I sympathize with that because yes, I did own a salon and I had it. I started at 19 and I was young, uh, young. Um, are you okay what's up are you okay <laughs> yeah yeah i'm great sweet yeah <laughs> um yeah so I, I opened it at 19 and it was a lot of fun but it was just me and i i loved it and it, it was just it was cool you know but then i also knocked down a wall and i expanded and i hired a team well i know where i fucked up and i'm just saying this because everyone's listening to this podcast i know where i fucked up and i hope that maybe my old employees listen to this and they know where i fucked up I, I didn't train. I wasn't there enough because I tried to train them as I was moving to California. And that's where I, like, I, I got super split. Um, and I kind of forced them, not forced them, but kind of forced them into being their own entities a little too soon, even though I handed them my clientele and was like, you go whatever, but I didn't really train them. So that's been like my biggest, my thing now as where I'm at now is education, education, education. And of course, like keeping culture, have you, have you dealt with any of like the education stuff? Like, have you guys, you know, came up with a plan and like, how are you going to educate them and how, how has that been? Cause I know that I learning people's different learning styles. Holy, oh my God. Like, yeah, I it's hard. Bad. <laughs> so we actually launched like a boot camp in January. So everybody, all of our commission stylists were, two years or less out of school. That was our like requirement. We wanted people that wanted to come in and learn because I do think it's harder from a salon owner standpoint to train people when they're further into their careers. They like, they got their drive going. They like what they like, whatever, like, and that's fine too. And I think that's when booth rental comes into great play for those people. But with our commission stylists, we wanted them right out of school. So we took their very first week and we did classes all day, every day for five days um, to like give them a good head start. Some of them, this is like their first time being in a salon period, like they were right out of school. So we kind of had it mixed for what they needed. So they had assistant days and days that they took clients, but it was kind of like hair school where they would pull Brenna and I aside and after their consultation, saturation check before they mix their toners, like formulation, and check all that jazz until we weren't needing to correct them on anything. And then they like graduated to not needing to have us for checks, but that 
like is always the door is always open if they have questions regardless but now where they are in their program they we do classes every couple of weeks and um it's either somebody coming into the salon or we'll go somewhere or they could go on their own classes like they don't make money off they don't make commission off of product they sell if they want to go to another salon that we're not all going to for a class then they can take out of their education fund from money that they that I've put aside from their product that they've sold and they can go to those classes too. So we're very open to any kind of education they want to do, but we're also there for them too, whatever, like hosting things in the salon on a regular basis. Wow. That's really cool. Like so the selling the product thing and putting the money aside, that's fucking, that's like super smart. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, like on, on a real note, like how many shampoos do we really sell a week? It's not, it's not enough to impact our paycheck enough. At least in my experience, it hasn't been. I might sell three, four products a week. So that what is that? Thirty bucks on my, fifty bucks on my paycheck. Like I would rather that go in a little account for me, so I don't have to spend it later. Right, and it also, like you said, it kind of they all have this like extra fund. Like, oh, I really want to invest in this, but maybe I didn't set the fund for fund for it. But that's okay, you know. Like my owner did, and yeah, supporting me in a different way. Yeah, for sure. And if they ever like don't have all of the money in their education fund at the same time. Like there's a certain amount of money. I let them go negative in the account or they can pay me back through their paychecks. Like I can just take it out of their paychecks, like whatever. Cause I want them to be able to do that. And I trust the people that I have right now that if I pay for them to go do something, they're not like going to run out on me. Like we got a good group of people right now. That's awesome. How many, yeah, um, thank you. how many commission sales do you have right now? We have four right now. We have room for eight, which terrifies me. (laughs) So the plan is for this year, we're not going to do like a boot camp and a bunch of people starting at the same time uh, this year. That was also a mistake I learned to hire slow is better. (laughs) Having one personality come into a group is much different than having a handful of people come in so we're gonna do apprenticeships where somebody will be like assisting brenna and i for like two or three months and then they can slowly start building their clientele and when they are more booked than and they don't need to have assistant days then they'll just be like a full-time stylist then and that's how we'll bring people into the program moving forward nice and slow yep wow you know, for someone who like didn't really want to be a salon owner, you do have a lot of things uh, that are wowing me. Holy shit. <laughs> I think that when you come from a bad salon, you know all the things not to do. <laughs> so yeah. you're kind of leading with love that way, I think. Yeah. I, I always say that I do this because I love, not because I love it. <laughs> right, right. You can't, you, no one goes into teaching because they love being a teacher. Or they love, yeah. they love teach. Or, yeah, they love being a teacher. They love teaching. They don't love being a teacher. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, wow. Like, I'm I'm kind of taking it all in, like, wow, that's really fucking smart. Holy shit. Thank um, you. Why, why Olive and Ivy? Olive was the name of a dog that I got at a really important time in my life. I was getting out of my toxic salon. I had moved out from my parents' uh, house that was not the greatest space for me. And I had an abusive boyfriend and Olive was just kind of my, my rock. She like got me out of my shell, helped me be responsible, like got me out of like a depressive episode and she passed unexpectedly. And it was like a great time for change in my life. Like broke up with my boyfriend, like 
started really putting myself into my business more, like all these things flourished in my life after the hardest thing that's ever happened to me. Like it was really traumatic how she passed. And so like, that was just like, it's going to be a landmark in my life forever that I think about my time with her. So I thought it was a great way to memorialize her. So that's where Olive comes from. And then Ivy. So the plant can grow even in the hardest places. And so like Ivy can grow in concrete even. So that's kind of where that comes from. Like me and Brenna from a toxic salon, like we still flourished and grow grew, even though things were really hard for us. And we might not have even been ready when we left that first toxic salon. <laughs> like we were, I was 21 and Brenna was 23 and we didn't really have any business doing <laughs> what we did, but we did it and we tried really, really hard and we did a good job and like, we're still growing every year and like things are okay. <laughs> so that's where the salon name comes from. Wow. That's, that's, I, there's often times in a lot of my podcasts, my interviews where I just am like kind of speechless, like, just to hear people actually connect with themselves and be like, yeah, like, oh, it's this because of whatever. Like, no, Olive is a is a is a thing, a, a creature, a, a a beautiful memory that kind of changed you who you are. And it's funny because I'm looking at your screen. I don't use the video for the for the um, podcast, but I see in the background all of you. Like oh, oh yeah, this is all of you. Oh, and I yeah, Olive, and I'm like, there's wow. a little portrait next to it, and there's a picture of her above that. There's, I had a bunch of clients get me portraits of her. There's a few up there. Yeah, that's really sweet. Thank you. Almost like she's hanging with us, you know? Like, oh yeah, mom's yeah. talking about me. What was she? She's a corgi. She looks like my Winnie now. And it's funny. I actually, after she passed, I got a tattoo of olive branches. And that was before I ever knew the salon was going to exist. And that's the logo for the salon. Now it's what's on the door. Dude, that's literally fucking giving me chills. That's great. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank so it, you. It really does sound like you've kind of, you've kind of, I always think of the universe has this way of kind of forcing you into positions that you've been needing to go in, but you just have been refusing to listen to, you know, and yep. if you push back too hard, it will kind of whip you back, you know, and put <laughs> In the right place, you know, you know. Yep, yep, I do know. My last therapy session, I talked about how I try really hard to do things even when they're scary. Like, I try to never say no just because I'm scared of things. <laughs> right. And it, it sounds like this is, like, one of those moments where maybe you weren't really listening to it for quite some time, and then finally you did start listening and look at it now. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I could see why you made that video, that initial video, like, this is fucking crazy. Like, I don't know how this is happening to me. Yeah, it's not that like a lot of hard work hasn't gone into it, but I it just truly feels like everything that was supposed to happen is happening. Like, even though I have all that hard work behind it, I think that's where what, what you said, imposter syndrome comes in. Like, it just is supposed to happen. How is it happening? <laughs> right. Like, you can't even you can't even explain the phenomenon, you know? Yeah, it's wild. Um. So in the I. In the questions I had written says, what has salon ownership been like for you? What made you open a salon? Is there anything that makes you feel like you, that sets you apart? And it's kind of funny because I feel like you kind of answered all of this because I know what sets you apart immediately. Um, the whole education thing like that really just kind of blows my mind. And obviously like the name of your salon and how you guys kind of do everything like that. It's refreshing to hear. And I know you, I know you know why you do this, but it's refreshing to hear a salon owner who has the right intentions it's it's just about creating a space and giving a safe space for people to do hair. 
you know, and to yeah, be creative. absolutely and clients too. Like I am blown away at the amount of clients who have said that same thing that they come to the salon because it's a safe space. Like it's so, I think it's so easy to create a safe space. It's sad to me that so many clients feel that that's not uh, available for them as well as stylists. Yeah. I, I, I think we've all, uh, one day we'll have to do an episode. Like I want to have like a group of all of us, like to kind of talk about our, uh, glorious experiences as hairdressers, you know, like in the past, <laughs> Oh, like this happened to me. Oh my God, that happened too. We work at the same salon, you know, <laughs> I think what's so beautiful about the industry, it is kind of slowly changing. It is kind of shifting into the way that we've been kind of needing to. Um, it absolutely is fast too. I think. Yes. And it's refreshing to hear a salon owner who has that like ideal that is actually building what we've been needing and not just building it for the greed of themselves, you know? No, anybody like I, I definitely looked into it heavily before like actually taking the leap for salon ownership. But at the time, so in 2019, when I was looking into this, so almost four years ago now, um, at the time about, I think it was 60% of, of stylists in the United States were booth rental. And I think that was such a huge thing. And I think even more and more, I, I bet that number has, has grown significantly since I last looked into it. Like, I think that if you are ever opening a salon for just the money, like you're only going to become all these salon owners that people hate. Like, I think that most salon owners that are, you know, not as kind as we want or not uh, do it, giving the kind of leadership we need or the education and stuff. I think most of it becomes is from stress of money. Like, I just don't think you can go into it with the mindset that you will get rich. <laughs> Say always leave with love, never leave with money. Money follows. Yep. I make money from things outside of the salon way more than I would ever make from the salon. Like even when my loans are all paid off and all that jazz and I'm fully staffed, like it's still not going to be something that I would like not have to work. I feel like I, I think that so like corporate salons are who can do that or salons of like 30 chairs or something wild. Like I have not seen salon owners that can just like sit back um, and like have their bills paid. I, I have yet to see it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you do behind the chair now? Like how often are you working behind the chair? Starting last week. <laughs> I'm three days behind the chair and then one day working from home. I try to keep my, my weeks to, to four days working because my days are longer and I think hairstylists need more rest than maybe some other professions. Mm -hmm. So I try to have three days that I can, you know, run errands, rest, and be social. That's what I'm shooting for. But I am going to be teaching classes every three weeks. That's like a big thing for me this year. I'm so excited about it. So our first class, um, it, my first class this year will be with Brenna at my salon on the 22nd of January. And then from there on, it's every three weeks for me. And I'm so excited about what? it. Dude, that's fucking crazy. Every three weeks. I know you're teaching. No. You're teaching in... Oh, fuck. I think it's Washington. I forget where it is. Right now, I have Cincinnati, Phoenix, San Francisco, and Portland. Portland. And then I will be at ABS in Chicago. And it'll be my first time teaching at a hair show. I could just 
bust the seams. I'm so excited about it. That's fucking crazy at a hair show. What are you teaching at a hair show? I'm still confused what all's <laughs> what all I'm gonna be doing at ABS, but I will be on a panel with Teresa and Siri, which is just what? wild to me. That's fucking crazy. Oh, I don't know, they got millions of followers. How did I get in on this deal? <laughs> right? And wait, hold your horses. I don't even know what this is. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say it, but I haven't seen anything that I'm not allowed. I have Zoom calls. Me, Teresa, and Siri have Zoom calls with Sam Via coming up. Holy shit. Right? I know. I know. I, I know. Didn't, holy shit. What the fuck? What? I, I know. Actually, I want to wait until, you know, you guys do what you do, but what? I know. Dog, that's nuts. That congrats, uh-huh. first of all, first of all, let's let's reel it back in. First of all, congratulations. Thank I think that's what's you. in order. That's that's did you ever think you'd ever do any of this? No, like it felt like some I always wanted it. Like I I worked really hard to get with pulp, like so hard. Like I think that a lot of these people we see on TikTok and maybe myself included, like we think that this like success or recognition has happened, like in a couple short months or a year or two, which a lot of people on TikTok, that's true. But I've been here. I've been busting my ass. Uh, Instagram was where I I used to be cool. Uh, My account getting disabled is another story. But I have, like, been working for this for a really long time. And TikTok finally came in and, like, that worked out for me and supported it. So it's so, so cool that this is happening. So, yes, I've always wanted it. I don't know if I ever thought it was going to happen. That was the question. <laughs> I, um, the reason why I said Washington is I, one of my friends, you're teaching at her salon and it's Portland. It's not fucking Washington. I don't know why I said that. Um, uh, but she had said, she was like, yeah, Meg's coming out. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I was like, that's so Wait, fucking cool. Is your friend Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking with her earlier today. Yes, <laughs> she seems I, really sweet. I love Sarah. She's, she, they're that whole group. They're just a bunch of sweet people. I'm so excited. Portland seems really cool. I've never been there. I haven't either. I I just recently moved to the West Coast. I don't know where anything is, so I don't even know where that is. So <laughs> I couldn't uh, point to it on a map. Yeah, no, no. Don't ask me. I don't know where anything is. Yeah, I live on the West Coast now. I'm like a terrible. West no, Coast. Where are you? California. No, no, like where in California are you? Oh, uh, like Orange County, uh, Laguna Beach, Mission Viejo, that whole area. Ah, oh, cool. Are you loving it? Oh yeah. Even though right now it's fucking it's like rainy and like kind of stormy, which is not usual for California, but otherwise I I used to live I used to live on the East Coast and now I live here. Um I will never be moving back to the East Coast. I don't care how much anyone fucking pays me. <laughs> I I feel my best self by the beach. I don't know if I'll ever get the guts to move, but I so applaud anybody that does. That's a really hard thing to do in this industry. You're a badass for it. Oh, thanks. We're not here to talk about me, though. <laughs> um, so, guys, I love this conversation. We're just like, <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> Meg is a badass salon owner. I've learned so much just of, just from what you said. Um, I re- I love how you, the culture that you've created and the kind of the why behind you created it and kind of like the name and like just kind of like your journey in general. But I do want to talk about social media because social media is a huge thing. Um, and I love driving home the fact of how important social media is and how it really does benefit your business. So what has social media social media been like for you? Like what's what's your journey with social media? Yeah, so 
I started my hair Instagram when I was only, I want to say I was 16 or 17, actually. I was still in high school. (laughs) I used to, yeah, I, I used to think I wanted to be a bridal stylist, which is fucking hilarious. I wouldn't, I do not do weddings, (laughs) period. No formal updos. But I used, when I was in high school, like I set up my bathroom to be like a little salon for the day, like when it was like prom and homecoming and all that jazz, like even for other schools, I grew up in church. So like people from my church from other schools would come over, I would literally have a schedule for the day and like charge people when I was in high school for hideous makeup and okay updos. So I like used to post my work on Instagram so that girls from other schools would see it and ask me to do their hair for for dances and whatever. So I already had that rolling before I went to hair school. I went to an Aveda school. I posted all the time whenever I wasn't in school. I was in school three days a week. Um, I was doing hair in my kitchen at home. So like kitchen beautician pictures, like literally with my fridge in the background on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> so funny like one of the girls that works for me now like I met her because I did her hair in her house when I was in hair school <laughs> you talk about full fucking circle yeah well and so when I got into a salon I honestly kind of jumped into having full books because I had already created relationships with people like I have people that still come to see me whose hair I cut in my carpeted bedroom like <laughs> I'm like vacuum after I was done. yeah that <laughs> Fuck, that's so fucking cool. Yeah, so it's really, really supported my entire career, like Instagram has. And then when I got to the point where I wasn't taking on new clients anymore, and I wanted to, I'm really big on like, what's your purpose to post? I break it down a lot in my classes. And my purpose to post changed from getting clients to um, creating community with other hairstylists and like having recognition there. So switching that around and especially with videos coming into play like with TikTok and reels and all that like that completely shifted and now it supports me selling my class tickets and stuff so it's really cool what social media has done for me and for my salon like it's really wild I would say out of the new clients that come into the salon I would say about 90% are from my TikTok which is so cool like we don't do any marketing in the salon period other than TikTok and Instagram, but yeah, so social media has done everything for my business. I don't, I would not have what I have if it wasn't for Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. What, um, wow, I lost my train of thought. Fuck! (laughs) Is your whiteboard brain happening? God damn it, (laughs) it's such a good question. Fuck, hold on. You said, you said TikTok, Instagram, posting mm. oh what um what made you get into the hair industry in the first place I was good at it and I was not good at anything in school I I'm lucky in that way that it was kind of obvious the direction to go in because I I literally was not good at anything in school and I felt really happy doing hair stuff I like I nannied throughout high school too and I love kids like I've always said that like I think my purpose in life is to be a mom like hair is kind of second for me I can't wait to be a mom one day and be around kids again but those were the two things that always made me happy so hair came first because I didn't want to be a teen mom <laughs> I think that's a good you know? choice 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure does, but you know, if you have a choice, I mean, you know. Yeah, you can plan it. <laughs> we can play God a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, kind of talking on family stuff because you've commented on my stuff about family stuff, and mm-hmm. um, I don't have contact with my family anymore. I know you've kind of touched on that as well. Does that have anything to do with why you became a hairdresser at all? Um, not necessarily why I became a hairstylist. Like my, my parents were not supportive of me wanting to do it, which I don't think is unique to me. Like I would say, I would say more than half of hairstylists, their parents probably didn't support them going to hair school. Like that was a big fight at the dinner table for years (laughs) that I didn't want to go to college, but I wouldn't. Yeah. Right. (laughs) gonna miss out on a college experience (laughs) she's laughing to the bank now bitches yeah right (laughs) but no I wouldn't say that my relationship with them is why I'm a hairstylist but I was raised really conservatively I was raised southern baptist I was in church like three or four days a week and so if anybody's seen what I look like I think that can be a little surprising or what I sound like (laughs) yeah that shocked me yeah. <laughs> wow. So has this like inner, I call it like the inner angst, like has the inner angst like just always been there and you just kind of like grew into it? No, I was very respectful, rule follower. Like, really? I yeah, I, I figured out fast that it was easier for me to go along with whatever my parents said and just be respectful to their rules than it would be to fight against them because my mom had a rule that if I disobeyed, I our trust went back down to zero. So it wasn't like I missed out on one activity or something. If I did something wrong, it was like no more activities for a very long time kind of thing. So I just kind of learned to go with whatever they wanted. And I would say I started to come out of my shell. I So I moved out when I was 19. And I don't think I started really coming out of my shell until I met my now fiance. So that was in 2018. And I was, I was 22 years old. I feel like I started to come out more of my shell, like, even with silly things like the inner angst or like being a daredevil or whatever, like, I never had gotten drunk or like, I did never stayed up late or I didn't swear. Like, oh, this is all new. I like was getting tattooed. That was the most badass thing I was doing. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're like the most badass person I know. That's 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 nuts. I mean, like, yeah, truly. I like I like I, I watch your shit and I'm like, dude, I envy like how you dress. Like, I love the way you dress. I I could I couldn't be mean. Blue hair, like, couldn't be mean, but, like, what, having the balls to just, like, walk around, like, yeah, I'm that bitch with blue hair, and I wear amazing shit. I'm like, what? That's so cool. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I was wearing, like, tunics and leggings every day until a few years ago. That, like, I wish the viewers could see my face right now. I'm fucking minded. (laughs) I have to write this down. Tunics and leggings. (laughs) Yeah, write that shit down. <laughs> you know what? That's going to be the name of the, the episode. Tunics to leggings. <laughs> will it please? Brenna will die. <laughs> Tunics and leggings. That's what it's going to be called. Yep. Because that that that's not you at all. So it's going to be called Tunics and leggings. Wow, this is my favorite podcast I've ever been on. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Uh, so do you feel like 
Oh my gosh, I'm like, I don't Your know. Your face is killing me. <laughs> I, 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 if, I cannot hide my emotion right now because I'm like, oh my <laughs> um do you so leaning into like your artistic side what what was like the final like aha moment where you were like I have to do I have to lean into this side of me and I have to let go of these people if you know what I mean yeah um I think a lot of it was me leaving my like abusive relationship like I felt like I I felt like a kid because I had been with him since I was 15 and I left him when I was 22. So I think when you're in a relationship that young, I feel like I've seen it with a lot of clients and just people I love. When you get into a relationship that young, you're kind of held to be that person that you were at that young, young age through the most like changing years, like your late teens, early twenties. And so I felt like, I had come out of a cocoon (laughs) as cheesy as that sounds but like I started to dress different listen to different music like I wanted to change everything because I was who I was with him for so long that I wanted to be a different person like I think it sparked a lot of change in my life and so yeah I started dressing differently I decorated my apartment differently and talking differently I got really tattooed really fast after that too um, I might have had like four tattoos in that time and that I was getting tattooed every week for a couple months. And yeah, I I colored my hair blue shortly after that. Like I I really dove into my business. Like, I don't know. I really started leaning into my creative side because I've heard you talk about this too. Like I'm not good at sitting still with my thoughts or being by myself with my thoughts. So I kept myself really intensely busy doing all those things I just said (laughs) and with doing that though it kind of I know it's helped me a lot kind of figure out who the hell I am um and a lot of people like a lot I would say like those who are not neurodivergent um who are neurotypical you know I hate to use that that terminology but it's just the best way I can explain it those who are not like us think oh they're just burying their problems like they're just not dealing with the problems when in reality when you've been kept in a box your whole fucking life and then one day the lid cracks, you're going for it. And it's going <laughs> to yeah. all at once, you know, and it, it but it, it never stops though. Cause I mean, imagine 22 years of your life have been kept in this box. It's going to take 22 years to get back out of it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I like the way you said that. <laughs> and that that's kind of how I feel now too. You know, I being who I'm with now, my partner, I'm divorced, you know, and I was this person when I was with my husband and with talking to my family, but for 25 years, I was this individual that I had no who the hell I was, you know? And then the moment that I finally was like, what the fuck am I doing? You know? And that lid cracked. I called it Pandora's box. And it's funny because I was talking about, <laughs> I, I moved to California and that was my own doing. And it's a whole story, but I, I told my therapist, I was like, I feel like the moment that I stepped foot in my apartment, Pandora's box opened. And I was like, how do I close it? She was like, you don't. Oh, I love that. Yes. yes and yes, I was yes. like, I didn't even say that it. fucking, oh, it gives me chills because I remember when, yes. I started, when I felt it, it was like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It, it just, just, it just, nothing mattered. It just was like, do the things you, you can't even explain the things that you want to do either. Like you just do them, you know? Yes, 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 yes. 
Um, but something that you said too, and I, I want to talk about this concept because I just learned about this concept. So you said from 15 to 22 year with, with this person and there's this concept and I don't know the name of it specifically, but I'm going to explain it to you and I'm explaining it to obviously to our viewers. But So there's this like really weird phenomenon of growth. So you meet these people and they get to see a side of you that maybe another, other people don't see, right? But only you and truly you know who you are. But this person gets 1% of you and they cling to that 1%. But that 1% never changes. You are chained to this idea of, of yourself to this person. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I love that. I love how you phrased that. Yes, it's, it's yes, yes, yes. It's I can't I don't know what it's called, but it it's, yeah, like that one percent becomes your whole identity because that's yep. how the other person sees you. Is that what, yes? Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. And then it's 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 almost like it becomes toxic. It becomes this really disgusting thing because either they can choose to allow you know half of a percent of you to kind of change and shift this idea. But most times they don't because they want you to stay that 1% because they like that version of you. And that's when things become controlling and manipulative and toxic. Like, I don't know if this is just what grown up relationships are like, but I I often say that one of my favorite things about my relationship with my fiance, Brandon, is that we allow each other to change so much, like for him to meet me at that time in my life and like how much I've evolved since then. And like, I know that I have so much space and room in our relationship to keep evolving through our lives. Like that's my favorite part. like that we both can do that. You're not chained, chained to this idea that isn't real anymore. Yeah. To the 1%. If the 1%. Yeah. Now, like, and you, it'll always be a small percentage because no one truly knows you that other than yourself, but to have mm-hmm. people in your life that are able to take that 1% and when you are ready to, to do a new 1%, they accept it. And that one per that original 1% disappears. And that's yes. the beauty of evolution and growth. Um, and it's like learning that concept has helped me a lot with letting go of people and in specific, like my family and a lot of my old friends, because they were, they clung to this 1% that has not existed. Yeah. In years. Oh, I love that you said that. Cause I, I think like what I was talking about that, like, I just learned to be obedient to my parents. Like, so that's the me that they know. So that when I went through all these changes, our relationships are really hard now because they are clinging to that too. Or like, I feel like I've lost an abnormal amount of friends, like for what age they're my age. Like I, that has been an incredibly hard thing. And like what you, same thing you just said, this conversation helped me a lot. You're right. This is therapy. Yeah. It always is right. Talking to, yeah. talking to someone who's actually emotionally aware is always therapy. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. you know, like I love this. This is a good talk. I hope somebody else gets something or like sees this part of themselves through this podcast too. The one of my biggest things when I started um kind of leaning into who I am is I'm my my boyfriend and I we joke about it all the time. I'm very complex. That's what he says. I'm very complex. <laughs> is that a compliment <laughs> or an insult? Right. I know I, I always ask that too. I'm like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Uh, he just knows it's never yes or no. It always comes with this like really convoluted thing. And that's just how my brain works. And I've accepted, I love that about myself. He loves it about me. You know, like he knows 
to pick and choose his battles because you know it can be like this really big thing, not you know. But, ready for World War Three at all times. <laughs> you can open that can of worms, motherfucker, because we will. <laughs> I don't know if I you want to put this way. But with my, like, when I started really leaning into that and I started, you know, creating the fucking mentality and I started creating straight out of Cosmo, one of the big things was kind of teaching stylists verbiage and how to be kind of comfortable with being who they are, you know, because again, clients can also cling to that 1% and you have to create a clientele who you have genuine connection with and conversation and communication with to let go of certain percentages over your life. And it it's teaching this ideology, I guess is the word, um, to stylists and other entrepreneurs and all these people, because as entrepreneurs and as anybody, as a business owner, your business model can fucking change any minute. Oh, I change it every year. <laughs> right. All it's the time. Gonna <laughs> it's always going to evolve. Um, and the, and that's just, kind of like a harsh reality and kind of teach people like it's okay to let go of people. It's okay to fire people. It's okay to do all those kinds of things. Yeah. I fire people every year. And you know what? Like this year it was actually kind of a mind fuck for me a little bit. I didn't have to fire people and I have availability on my books right now. So like what, again, what you were just saying, like people realized I wasn't their match anymore, but I can't take it personally. And I'm excited to have room for people that are my right match on my book now. Like staying true to yourself feels so much like better coming to work every day, having those people rather than having the people that hold you to the 1%. Because some clients will evolve with you. Like I have a little old lady named Gwen that's been seeing me since I was 19. And you know what? She comments on all my TikToks. She is my number one supporter. She is the cutest little lady, but not everybody's going to be my Gwen, you know? Um, and I, I love that, like how you said, like, you know, evolving with your clients and there's nothing wrong with the old, I guess, like the old way of doing things and having the same clientele for 30 plus years, but there is, and I'm, I hate to say yeah. that, but if you're not growing, that is career suicide. It is. Yeah. Like I said, I still have some people whose hair I cut in my bedroom, but I also have new people that have found me on TikTok that I, I could go on and on and on about finding your TikTok or your clientele off TikTok. I think they are literally mirrors of who we are the people that find us off tiktok and it is just so wildly fun having those people in my chair so like i'm thrilled to have space for those people i'm not upset that you know and most of the time the people that are leaving me they get to still come into the salon and see somebody else and i still get to catch up with them and whatever like it's not hard feelings or whatever i think it's cool to keep i don't know it's fun for them too to have somebody else do their hair probably differently than the way i did it mm-hmm. I'm learning that loyalty can look a little bit different. I'm used to, so I'm used to loyalty in the sense of like ride or die, always, you know, tried and true stuck to this thing. Um, but I'm learning now kind of moving through my adulthood that loyalty can look like giving people space, but still being loyal to them in a different way. Like from a yeah. distance. I'm learning. Oh my God, I'm learning. Yeah. I you love know? that. Yeah. I have clients that send me nice messages or even just wish me happy birthday every year or whatever. Like that, that still feels like loyalty, loyalty to me. It doesn't mean that I have to spend, you know, three and a half hours with them every 10 weeks doing their balayage or whatever. Right. Yeah. Loyalty can look totally different. And I think like, I'm even giving myself a revelation. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. Hmm. Loyalty can look different. That's right. Lise. Cause I'm still stuck. still stuck to loyalty being a 1%, you know, loyalty, looks very specific for me, but 
and in other aspects of my life, loyalty looks totally different. So I'm like, yeah, you're the same law across the board. Like loyalty can look very different anyway. Um, <laughs> but my own like, wow. <laughs> um, okay. New, new name for the podcast. Tunics and tangents. <laughs> Tunics and tangents. All right. Hold on. I'm writing this down. Tunics. Tunics. Hold on. You just you keep it as tunic and leggings. I just we we are going on tangents, and I love it. I like having big conversations quickly, like we're doing. Tunics, leggings, and tangents. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast name. <laughs> oh, I think we might. I think we might start a podcast. A new. I do totally so podcast. fun. Tunics, I like tunics and t- okay. You can totally. You can take that tunics and tangents and please start a podcast about yourself called tunics and tangents, please. please. <laughs> Guys, welcome back. She has her new podcast called tunics and tangents. Oh, you know what? Tunics and tangents are the side of leggings. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> as long as they're not LuLaRoe, that I do have a line. <laughs> oh, she's boogie, bougie about her, her leggings. Okay. Have you not looked into all the LuLaRoe shit? Okay, homework. You need to watch Lula Rich on HBO. You haven't watched this? I don't watch TV. No, this is about this. It's a pyramid scheme with leggings. You haven't watched this? No. You're going to have to do me a solid and watch TV. <laughs> what is it? I, this is, I, I hear the Kardashian sound in my head. You're not better because you don't watch TV. I'm like, fuck. It's called Lula Rich, L-U-L-A Rich. Lula Rich. Oh my On god, HBO? it's like, yeah, it's like a pyramid scheme that was started in Mormon land, Utah, and it, they like preyed on a bunch of like Mormon moms and they sold leggings on Facebook. That's like, I okay, this is going to sound very wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway, that's like the whitest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah, you'll say that again after you watch it. <laughs> oh, I'm nervous. I have time so today. I might watch this. Oh my God, my life might be changed. You, yeah, and you'll text me during and after. <laughs> like, wow, I'm a new person. That 1% is gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you are, a, first of all, a fucking riot. First of all, um, I feel like I, so the point of podcast too is to have a lot of these people back to talk about other things. So I, w- I would love to have you back again and just to talk about other things again. Um, I would love that too. I just want to talk to you more in general. <laughs> Do you want to be friends? I want to be friends with you. Yeah. You want to go on a second date? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I'll fly. I'll fly over there and you fly over here. I'm in It'd be more fun if I came to California. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Okay. Well, you you're... want to come to Ohio? <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like no, <laughs> no. Um, but you know, I'm until gonna... you're teaching in my salon one day, that'll happen. Oh, there's that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Guys, stay tuned. <laughs> um, but let let's let's cap this. Let's cap this beautiful um podcast episode. I have learned so much, um, just about you as an individual, but also just like as a mentor, you know, in a mentor kind of way. Um, oh, thank you. You're welcome. But if there's anything, if there's any advice that you feel like has been, has really shifted who you are right now, what would that advice be? 
I heard Gina Bianca, the, I think her name used to be the hair doctor. Um, I heard her say something a few years ago and it really stuck with me. And I think I might've taken it the opposite way of what she meant it when she posted it, but she posted and said, um, you are not going to get the same results that I have unless you take the same steps. And that really resonated with me as like an educator or salon owner or whatever. Like, uh, I think it's so nice that people will message me and ask me how I got to where I am right now. And I cannot tell people enough to, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have taken the same steps, even though I have these results because I costed myself, um, life outside of work. And I, and I know this is something you've, you've touched on on TikTok some too, but there's just like no rush in life. And if I could go back, I wouldn't have worked as many hours in a day or in a week or a month or year as I have in the past. Like that's why this year I'm kind of like slowing down what I'm taking behind the chair because it's okay if things take a little bit longer, like I'm not going anywhere. So I took her words as like, you can take those steps a little bit slower. Like that's what I would recommend to anybody, like prioritize your mental health and your social life and the relationships that you have and just yourself in general, like don't wear yourself so thin and experience burnout as fast as you, as you know, I've experienced it and so many other hairstylists have. So it's not really business advice per se, but to like put yourself first before your business. Cause I didn't do that for a really long time. And I feel like a way better human making those steps now. <laughs> I think that's going to deserve a whole other podcast episode because that <laughs> that is definitely like a topic that, yes, like putting the business before your myself, like personally myself almost cost me my, like my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's a lot of people, a lot of people don't talk about that. Yeah. It's one of the biggest things we teach in our like training program at the salon is it sounds like blunt or like we take it for granted maybe, but we always say like at the end of the day, it's just a job. Like even if it is your passion or whatever, like you are so much more important than this job that essentially gives you a paycheck. Like that may or may not give you a paycheck, honestly. Yeah. That's happened to me before. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I got that. That's why I got that stress, that responsibility stress. (laughs) just sits right here on my shoulders are always yeah. Like yeah that's why you go to massage therapy every couple weeks now <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yes well meg that was beautiful beautiful advice um guys whoever's listening to this always 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 please feel free to reach out if you guys ever need help if you have any questions comments concerns um i hope you guys really take this to heart you know what she's saying because that's kind of like the reality of the fucking mentality is it's not about you know trying to get into trying to get to the top and the fastest way possible it's about kind of enjoying life for what it is because if you blink you know life will pass you by and what do you have to show for it you know who's gonna fuck you i'm picking myself (laughs) at the end of the day fuck you i'm doing me baby you know yep amen (laughs) and all the people said Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. All of Meg's information is going to be down below her, um, all her, her handles, who she is, a picture of her. So you guys know who the hell I'm talking about. 
and get to learn about her, follow her, learn about her salon, go to her salon in Ohio. Um, and just kind of, you know, keep building that community and building other entrepreneurs. Like Meg is regardless of any followers she has, she's still a human. She's still, you know, she's still going to talk to you. Like she's not this unattainable person, you know? Um, and that's, that's why I like having people on here is to kind of remind also our viewers and people that follow us and whatever that, Hey man, we all eat, sleep, shit, die the same, you know, like we're, we're yeah. going six feet under the same way you are. So there's no difference between you or I, the only thing that's different is of social media following, you know? So what, you know? Yeah. Uh, yep. Somebody told me last year, uh, Ben Mullen, he said, however you feel about me is exactly how I feel about you. And I think that was like a really solid thing to say. And I feel that way about anybody that supports me. However you feel about me, I feel about you too. That's sweet. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. I love that. I hear it. Or I think of it a lot. I think it's go right. <laughs> Nobody will see it. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you guys. I won't talk to you guys. Thank you for listening to another podcast episode of The Fucking Mentality. Okay, goodbye. I love you all.